Welcome to First Importance, featuring the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis. If you have your Bibles, would you turn them with me to the book that we have been in for two years? And if you don't know where that is, well, Romans, Romans chapter 1. Do you hear it? Have you been, have you been listening? There's sometimes at a whisper. But often with great intensity, we've heard God calling out to us. For two years, under the umbrella of two different themes, not ashamed and then more. One book, the book of Romans, at least four different mini-series throughout the book, 54 sermons in the book of Romans, six side missions, six separate mini-series outside of the book of Romans in the last two years. Have you heard it? Have you been listening? It's the call of God to every believer. It's on every single page of the scripture, in every single verse, in every single syllable. God's called to every believer from the time of Abraham until now. Mankind desires it. It's at the heart of every dream. It's at the start of every exploration and expedition. Have you heard the call, believer? And it's this. Be bold. Be bold. The book of Romans has taught this very explicitly all throughout. And indeed, it's on every page of all of Scripture that we are to be bold, that we are not to be timid, that we are to be people of great boldness. Boldness is something that the world longs for. For those of you Star Trek fans, it always began with boldly going where no man has gone before. There's an old Latin proverb that says that fortune favors the bold. Helen Keller lived this truth and she stated, avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Well, to be people who are bold. The Roman poet Ovid said, the bold adventurer succeeds the best. But perhaps no one has captured this thought as well as the great theologian Mr. T when he said, I'm a bold Christian and not a scaredy cat Christian. I imagine he said, I'm a bold Christian and not a scaredy cat Christian. I pity the fool. At any rate, the scripture teaches us that we are to be bold. The book of Romans is that uh, is written in such a way by the Lord through, the, through, through Paul so that we might be bold, so that we would not be timid in the background Christians who were constantly scared, but that we might be bold Christians. Through every theme that we've studied, in everything that we've looked at the last two years, the book of Romans has taught us to be bold. And so that's our message today. 
That's the message of 2019. That's the message going into 2020. Believer, be bold. Be bold. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 1, let's begin in verse 14. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray together. Father, please speak through me now. Anoint me for the preaching of your word. And Lord, I pray that today we are drawn closer to you. Lord, help us not to be timid Christians, but help us to be bold. It's in the name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen. Have you heard it? Be bold. It's God's call upon your life. Believers, be bold. I have two points today by which we're going to look at the entire book of Romans. All that we've studied so far is really summed up in these two verses, verse 16 and 17. Two points that I want you to take home with you today. Number one, the God of our gospel demands we be bold. Our God demands our boldness. That's what he says in verse 16, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. He states it in a negative way. The way he states it really kind of means to, that he doesn't experience any painful feeling at the sound of the gospel. No sense of loss. No sense of loss of status or loss of some particular event. Paul will say in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 through 11, he'll illustrate this so well. He'll say, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You see, Paul looked at the gospel and he embraced the gospel, and it caused him to lose everything. The gospel caused him to lose all status that he had in this world. It caused him to lose long friendships that he had grown accustomed to and, and had valued. The gospel had caused him to lose many things, his livelihood. It caused him to lose so much, but he would say in Philippians that I, even though I've lost everything, I count it as nothing. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've heard stories of believers, especially in the Middle East, who will 
come to know Jesus. And they know that the moment that they go to tell their family, not only will they be, uh, not only will they be uh, no longer a part of their family, they'll be taken away from their family, but there's a good chance that they might even die. But we don't experience that here in America, do we? We're ashamed of the gospel for no apparent reason. Perhaps our neighbors might frown on us. Our friends might think less of us. If we bring up the gospel when we spend time with our family, we may offend somebody. But the Bible demands, the God of the good news of Jesus Christ demands that we be bold. It's okay to take a stand on the gospel and to lose friends in this earth. Can I tell you that again? It's okay to lose the gospel, or to, to gain the gospel and to lose friends on this earth. It's a foolish thing to embrace things that you're going to lose anyway. To gain, to, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's foolish of us to, to gain friends and to lose eternal life. We ought to be bold on account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this does not mean that we should be ugly. This does not mean that we should be hateful. But we should take a stand on the gospel. The whole book of Romans has been teaching us that we are to be bold. Now, it's mentioned, in, mentioned first to us in 1.16, and he says, I am not ashamed. It's mentioned in a, in a negative way. But there's this positive implication here. That not only, are we should, not only are we to not be ashamed, but we're to positively be bold. We're to, we're to stand up for the cause of Christ. Do you remember Peter and John in the book of Acts? Uh, Jesus has ascended to heaven. Shortly after this, all these wonderful things happen. The day of Pentecost occurs. And Peter and John are sharing the gospel in the temple. And they come across a man who is asking them for money. And they look to him and they say, well, we don't have money, but what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We say, take up your mat and walk. And this man who was lame from birth took up his mat and he walked. And they began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people got saved. But Peter and John were arrested and thrown into prison for that act. And when the, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to, to interview them and to see what exactly had gone on, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, we learned this of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. It says in chapter 4 verse 13 of the book of Acts, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. You see, they didn't recognize their intellect. Can I get an amen there? Amen. I'm so proud that people aren't going to know Jesus by Josh Hall's intellect. Don't say t amen too loud there. I'm so proud that they're not going to come to Jesus by Josh's charisma. Because Lord knows that's not going to work. I'm so glad that they're not going to come to Jesus because of anything in me. But, but what the Sanhedrin saw in, in John and Peter, I hope they see in each and every one of us, though we're uneducated, though we don't have all these things going for us. They look at us, they see our boldness, and they recognize that we have been with Jesus. What about your people at work, your co-workers, your family, your friends? Do they look at you and observe your boldness and recognize that you have been with Jesus? 
The gospel demands that we be bold for the gospel, that we not be timid, that we be bold. Joshua 1.9 commands us to be bold. God tells Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, we've been given the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, and we are not to be ashamed of that good news. The world teaches us that we ought to be ashamed of it. The world teaches us that we ought, to, we ought to put that in our pocket and just leave it there and not bring it up to anyone around us. But you see, when Jesus, when Jesus met people, he changed them in such a way that they couldn't help but be bold for him. Jesus touched people's hearts in such a way that they couldn't just section off Jesus in a little part of their heart. And he's not going to be a part of my politics, you see, because he's just that religion part of my heart. Or, or Jesus is just in this little private part of my heart that I don't have to tell anyone else about. No, no, no. When Jesus comes into your heart, he changes you. The gospel demands that we be bold. Believers, if you've not been bold in 2018 and 2019, as we've been looking at the book of Romans, can I encourage you to repent and to make it a goal of yours that by the power of the Holy Spirit in 2020 and in the coming days, you would be bold on account of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the God of our gospel demands that we be bold. Secondly, the God of our gospel gives us good reason to be bold. Look with me in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed, and I've been given good reason to be unashamed. I've been given good reason for this boldness. A lot of people have boldness and they have no good reason to be bold. You've seen people who are overconfident. You've seen people in your life who have misplaced confidence and they're bold, but they have no reason to be bold. We have very good reason to be bold. And Paul says the first reason is this, the gospel is the power of God. We got the power. Everybody say, we got the power. Oh, come I know some of you wanted to, high pitch and sing that. We're not going to do that. Say, we got the power. I'm not saying that it's anything in and of yourself, but the gospel demonstrates the power of God. What kind of power is this? Some people would say of our God, he is a powerless God. But when we look at, at the gospel, we see what kind of power, what kind of power they may ask. Friends, it's the power that brings sight to the blind. What kind of power does our God have? It's the kind of power that sets the captive free. What kind of power empowers us to be bold? What kind of power does our God have? It's the very power that spoke creation into existence. Not millions and billions of years of chance, but God speaking and it just being. That's the power of our God. It's the power of our God is the power that splits seas in half. 
It causes his people to walk across on dry land. What kind of power does our God have? It's the power that takes three Hebrew children into a fiery furnace where even the guards who get up close to it die because of the heat. And they walk in and everything is just fine. Why? Because it's the power of God. What power, you may ask, my friend. It's the very power that brings the dead to life. How many of you in here today, I know every one of you, I have sat over the bed of a loved one as they're taking their last breath. Or perhaps you've come to a funeral service and you've passed by an open casket and you've looked in at a loved one. And with every fiber in your being, you've wanted to bring life back into that body so that you can say, I love you one more time. So that you can have one more experience with that person. And yet, with all of the power that mankind has, all the science, everything that we've accumulated together, we can't stop that. But the power of Jesus is such that it raises the dead to life. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, we read of this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of children like the rest of mankind, but verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? We are to be not ashamed. We are to be bold. We have good reason to be bold on account of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it displays his power. His power, power that none can touch, power that none come close to. Jesus raises the dead to life. I was reading just this morning, John chapter 11. Jesus had left Jerusalem and he had left that surrounding area because people were after him and were after his life. He was teaching when he heard that his good friend Lazarus had fallen ill. And he was told, hurry and come. We know that you can save him. But he looks around at his disciples and he says, we're going to wait here for just a little bit. I've got some stuff I want to I do here before I, I go back to that, that place. And as they're waiting, as they tarry a few days, Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. A few days pass and Jesus says, it's time to go to visit my friend Lazarus, for he has fallen asleep. And Thomas stands up and says, Jesus, you know, we go there, the Sanhedrin, all the powers that be, they're going to kill us. And as a matter of fact, he says something very sarcastic. It's something very much, I think, probably, unfortunately, something I would have said. He said, well, why don't we all just go there and die with him? We're going to go and die with Jesus. And so they march to that home of Lazarus, and before they get there, they hear the funeral procession. Four days, Lazarus had been dead. Four days, life had not been in his body, and his sisters were mourning him. And Jesus mourns with them, and he walks up to that tomb. He, rolls, he asks them to roll back the stone, and he says, Father, I know you hear me. 
I know you do what I, what I ask of you, and I'm only saying this so all of them can, can hear when I say this. But then he speaks into that grave, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And that man who had been dead for four days walked out of the grave. Why? Jesus has the power over death. You see, all of his disciples, well, we're going to go there and we're going to die with him. And by the time they were finished with that funeral procession and the resurrection, they said, well, we might as well because he has the power over death itself. Listen, if Jesus has the power over death, if he is resurrected and he has promised to us that we have resurrection in life, that he is the resurrection and the life, why are we timid about the gospel? What are we afraid of? Be bold. We have great reason to be bold because of God's power. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, beginning in verse 18, the Bible tells us, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why should we not be ashamed? We've been given the very power of God of God through, his res- through the resurrection. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. It is the power. You know, our neighbors, our friends, everyone around us, those who do not know Jesus, the only way to heaven for anybody in this world is through Jesus. So why would we be timid? Tell me, why am I timid? Why are you timid? We have been given the power. It is the only way for salvation. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Why would we be ashamed of that? Why would we be timid about that? It is the power of salvation. It's the power for everyone. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everyone. No exemption. No tribe outside of that reach. The gospel is the good news. It is the power for salvation. There is no salvation in any other. Why are we ashamed? Why are we so timid? Why are believers more known for backing down and not proclaiming the gospel? Why are believers More known for that than for being bold. We've been given the very power of God. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. We have very good reason to be bold. The gospel displays the very power of God. Hopelessness to hope. Blindness to sight. Death to life. You and I have been entrusted with the gospel which displays and is the very power of God. But move with, move with me now to verse 17. Because not only do we have the power through the gospel, but we have the purpose. Verse 17. For in it, that is the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Listen, you and I should be very bold. We have very good reason to be bold. The first one he said was because of the power of God. That should seal the deal for all of us. That should, that should solidify our decision to be bold in nothing other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Don't be bold in all these other areas that you can be wrong in. Be bold on account of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the power. But then he says, not only the power, but because of the purpose. Look at the purpose of the gospel. Yes, it is to bring salvation to the world. But in verse 17, he, he gets even more detailed. He says, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. This means several things. Let's go through this together. The first thing that, this, that is meant by this first section of this verse is that through the gospel, we can see on display the quality, the action of righteousness that belongs exclusively to God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know that there is no righteousness in and of yourself. The Bible teaches us in the book of Jeremiah that our righteousness is as filthy rags. We have no righteousness in and of ourselves. We can't understand it, but we see in the gospel the righteousness of God displayed. Righteousness just simply means this, God's rightness. His complete and utter rightness. He is completely right in everything he does. Not only am I speaking in, in, in moral terms, but everything he does is right. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4. Moses tells us, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright or righteous is he. You aren't righteous. I'm not righteous. Our sins have marred us. We cannot be in right standing with God by ourselves. But God, he is perfect. He is righteous. And in the gospel, we see this righteousness displayed. We see his perfection and our sin. We see his goodness. Romans chapter 1, he displays himself to the entire world. Everyone is without excuse. He displays himself to the entire world, and yet the world does not see fit to thank him. In all of creation, when they look up and they see the sky and they see all of his creation, they know that there is a God, but they refuse to thank him for all that he's given. They refuse to serve him. But uh, in, in chapter 2 of the book of Romans, we see that this continues on. We see that God is righteous in his justice, even with the, with the Gentiles and with the Jews. In chapter 3, we see that all have sinned again and fallen short of the glory of God. We see just how pitiful this is. We see God's righteousness displayed. He alone is right. Psalm 119 Verse 137 through 138 says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. You see, in the book of Romans, we've seen that God exclusively is righteousness. He, he possesses that trait. He is righteous, and what he does is righteousness. But then we're also going to see from this passage that he imparts that righteousness to you and to me. That's what he's saying here. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, through faith. 
We see that God's righteousness, the, the trait that belongs exclusively to him, he takes and he places on us. Now just imagine that. You and I don't deserve to have a right relationship with God. Our sin against him is high treason. We are on the most wanted list. Our, you know, if, if you look at the most wanted list in America right now, those people who've done the, the greatest damage to society, those who've killed the most, taken the most lives, none of it comes close to even really stating how far down we have come to the Lord, how our sin has separated us from the God of the universe. But that God would on the cross, would take the righteousness that belongs exclusively to him and would lay it on us and would take the, the punishment that we deserve and would take it off our shoulders and would lay it on Jesus. We have been given the righteousness of God. That's why he says, be bold. Stop being timid Christians. You have been made right with the God of the universe. What else matters? Be bold. Do you hear it? Have you heard it the past two years? God's call on your life, not just in this pew, at your place of work, where you drink coffee every day, more than that, in your family, he's called you to be bold. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Can I encourage you this year? Be bold. Would you be bold with your neighbors? Make a commitment with me. We're in, a, we're in a fast-paced time where we get out of our vehicles, we go straight into the house. I understand it just as much as any of you. I understand it. Would you make an attempt this year to be bold, to talk to your neighbors about Jesus? Would you make an attempt to sacrifice a good standing in a relationship so that you can be bold to share the gospel with someone who is around you? Be bold at work. Be bold on account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you hear it? Believer, be bold. Now, perhaps you're here today. And you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you have no reason to be bold. You have nothing to stand on. But the Bible tells us that God loved you so much that even in your sin, he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for you. And if you will repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord, you can be saved. You can be changed. Old things will be passed away. You'll become a new creation. And you'll have great reason for boldness because God would have saved you. He would have changed you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. If today you have not repented of your sins and confessed Jesus as Lord, can I, can I try to persuade you with everything I have to come down and speak to me or another counselor during our time of invitation let us introduce you to Jesus and give you very good reason to be bold in this life can I encourage you to come speak to me or another counselor today during this time of invitation but perhaps you're here today believer and you've not been living a life of boldness repent with me and make a plan make a decision to follow the Lord and be bold this year Thanks for joining us for this episode of First Importance. 
You're invited to check out our other sermons on this channel, and, if you're in the West Memphis area, to join us for our Sunday worship at 1045 a.m.